This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans. And you'll want to check out Zupan's new shrub drink options in their cafe department. These refreshing tonics are made with fresh fruits or veggies, herbs, sparkling water, and, hey, Pock Pock's Psalm drinking vinegars. Very nice. Also new to their cafe and bakery departments, uh, start Oktoberfest early, because why not? Big and tasty Zupan's soft pretzels. I've had them myself, Court. They are so good, and they're big. They are big, and they're just a little buttery and... Uh, Right there in the bakery department. Very nice. Bavarian Beauties, baked in-house daily and ready to make your mouth water. And then summertime's running out soon. Back to school already. And so are Zupan's outdoor staples. September's the last month for Burgers in the Breezeway. Thursday's at Lake Grove and Burger Friday's at McAdam. And also it's the last month for the Ruby Jewel ice cream truck at Lake Grove. So check that out uh, before it's gone for the season. Tuesdays through Mondays from 4 to 9 p.m. in the Breezeway at Lake Grove. Three locations conveniently located across the Portland area and always at zoopans.com. This is Right at the Fork. It's Portland's food scene podcast. But today, Chris, in today's episode, the Chris Angeles, by the way. Portland oh, and Court Johnson over there. It's me over pointing here. again. Yeah, we're pointing at each other. Uh, <laughs> today's episode, while this is Portland's food scene podcast, uh, we have a, I, I don't know that we're officially sister cities, but there we're kindred spirits when it comes to food. And of course, we're talking about Austin, Texas. And when you talk about Austin, Texas, then you got to talk about Aaron Franklin. Right. Franklin's Barbecue. And we also, since they are sister cities, one of the reasons we're doing this interview is, oh, it's very connected to Portland. Yeah. Um, Aaron was scheduled to be here for Feast this week, which would be the, uh, the middle of September 2017, if you're listening in our archives. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he sustained a fire. Uh, in late August, which uh, you'll hear in the interview, why he's not able to, won't be able to come up here. Actually, if you don't hear it in this part, you got to go back to last week because yeah. we have a about a 10-minute segment of him talking specifically about the fire. Talk about the fire, kind of what the uh, long-term scenario is going to be, at least even the short-term scenario is going to be right. getting and, back on his feet. And, uh, and he just made the decision uh, with regard to this podcast yesterday uh, that he wasn't going to be able to come up to Portland for a feast. But we thought, and we, and he, what a great guy, because when I heard about the fire a few days ago, mm-hmm. just assumed we weren't going to have, he wasn't going to join right. us on the podcast. Yeah. And so gracious, and uh, and on, honestly, he was so gracious to me when I was down at Hot Luck. He's the host of that event, mm-hmm. the, the restaurant host of that event, along with Mike, at, uh, Mike Thielen of Feast, who... Also ran Hot Luck, and Aaron tells us uh, a gentleman by the name of Moody. Yeah. Jim Moody, was it? It was James Moody. James Moody. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they all do Hot Luck and uh, spent some time with me, talked to me. I got to eat his food, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at Hot Luck, we had a special opportunity to eat it a few times. So um, his barbecue is fantastic, but people at Feast aren't going to be able to enjoy it this year, unfortunately, because of the fire, but we thought it would be... Um, our privilege to still be able to bring you a little bit of Aaron Franklin verbally. Maybe not, you don't get a taste of him, but you'll get a, a, a taste of what he does. But you get a taste of his background and his history and what he thinks about Austin mm-hmm. and Portland. And uh, and we're 
really glad to have the opportunity to be. I had this on my mind last year. We weren't able to get Aaron on the podcast for Feast. Yeah. So uh, my mission when I went down to Hot Luck was to make sure that, that we make had sure it happen. Yeah. And man, did you deliver? Well, I can't always say I'm going to deliver, but he delivered actually. Yeah, he did. All I did was say, "Hey, we'd love to have you on the podcast," and he's gracious enough. And our friend Mike Thielen helped as well. So. Um, one more wonderful year of feast, four days of feasting with great events. Look it up on feastportland.com. You've got your bounty, your, your bounty going on at Pioneer Square. You'll most likely be able to still get tickets for that. Some other things. Enjoy feast and enjoy this interview with the uh, venerable Aaron Franklin from Austin, Texas. We were very concerned for you over here. Yeah, yeah. Fire's no good, turns out. Yeah, no. Who well, thought? it is, but you got to contain it in the in your your what you're cooking. Yep, true. You, you true. don't want it's it only out. good for the only good for the meats. You're probably tired of talking about it, aren't you, Aaron? You know, I haven't actually talked about it too much. It's been so strange. Like, you know, after that happened on Saturday, I, uh, you know, my wife Stacy and I have so much work to do, but still nothing to do at the same time because we're just waiting on other people. Yeah, and that's going to be a while, I would imagine. Uh, you know, hopefully not too long. Hopefully hopefully by the end of the week we'll have stuff moving pretty fast. Okay, so speaking of talking about your restaurant a lot, I think of any guests we've ever had on Right at the Fork uh, in, in prepping for this interview, there probably isn't a guest who's been interviewed more than you. And uh, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Well, I don't know. I can't, I, I'm, I'm not going to go down and list them now, but I'll tell you what. There were pages and pages of interviews, both print and uh, radio and, I guess, a lot of television, too. Um, do you uh, – that's a big part of your job now, right, is being the front man for the uh, restaurant. You're not cooking. You, know, you don't really, cook the way you used to cook. I, well, I, I definitely do a lot more of that than I, than I do cook these days. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really – I mean, I think for the most part I'm just kind of the maintenance guy for the restaurant. Um, at this point, you know, I don't really do a ton of interviews. I don't really do much TV stuff just by choice. Um, about three and a half years ago, we had a kiddo. So it was kind of like, eh, I think I'm just pretty content sticking around the restaurant, working on stuff and, and just kind of hanging out and not doing a bunch of like other stuff. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't remember the last time I did an interview actually. So, um, <clears throat> let's talk about that a little bit about your working on the restaurant I once, a long time ago, uh, was having a discussion with a guy in Eastern Oregon who had a great uh, bed and breakfast, and he said, there's absolutely no way to sustain this if you can't do all the handiwork yourself, all the repairs and so forth. And you've got a, an incredibly successful restaurant that sells out every day, lines around the block, and yet you're still the guy fixing it up, clean, cleaning and doing all that. How important is that to your profitability and how important is it to you just to do it, to still stay in touch with your restaurant? Well, it's pretty important to me to do it because I really enjoy doing that stuff. I mean, we built that restaurant, you know, we probably built, I bet, 60% of that restaurant ourselves without contractors. Um, you know, and I love a good project. Maybe that's why I'm not too bummed out by this fire thing because, you know, just just another project. But, um, yeah, I mean, I like working on stuff. It's fun. I like changing things at the restaurant. It's been fun. For me, and also challenging, uh, but as we've gotten busier over the years, our needs have changed. So it's not like we had started off with a you know a ton of investors or any investors for that matter, 
and like this brand new shiny building, you know, I mean, we started off pretty small and then just have been having to add on to it ever since. Um, and as our needs have changed, and like, oh, we need a cooler. Oh, we need this. We're going to have to add this. We need a place to put a sausage grinder. Um, so that kind of keeps me pretty knee deep in projects. And, and, uh, and I like it that way. It's cool. Did you, was your, did you grow up around, uh, someone who was pretty handy? Because I did. And I still, you know, putting a hammer in a drywall is about, or nailing a drywall is about as far as I can go. What made you, yeah. what made you so good at what you're doing for your own restaurant? I had, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I've always built stuff. Even before the restaurant thing happened, you know, I did tube amp repair for guitar stuff, built guitars, did guitar repair, grew up in a music store, uh, putting together PA systems and stuff. You know, I've always been working on cars, always been building houses. Um, I just, I don't know, it's fun. I, I like doing that stuff. So when you were a kid, or what? What did you think you were going to be doing at this stage of your life? Or what did your parents think you were going to be doing at this stage of the life, your life? Not real sure. <laughs> I'm not real sure of an answer for, for either one of those questions. Um, I just kind of figured I would always be doing something that I really enjoyed doing. So I guess mission accomplished. Um, and, I'm, you know, my family probably had a lot more questions than I did. God, what is this kid going to do? Oh, my Lord. And they, um, di- they did what you're doing now, but... Uh, I don't think, from what I read, they were as passionate about it as you are. No, they, yeah, my parents had a barbecue joint for a few years when I was a kid, but, you know, it wasn't quite the same thing that we've got, that's for sure. Just kind of a small Ma and Pa barbecue joint, which, you know, oddly enough, it's kind of what I visualized our place would be like in the early days. Um, It just got so busy that it, you know, ended up being a lot more than that. Now, we know that you're, I know firsthand that you're, brisket and your other items are just spectacular. Um, but what else do you think goes into that? Because there are a lot of great barbecue places there and everywhere else. We got we have a few up here. You know, Rodney at Podnas is fantastic. Oh, yeah, too. love Podnas. Right. So what is it, you know, as you were just describing um, the how Franklin Barbecue came to be, do you think it's because you started really small and you didn't have these big expectations? It just kind of... People fell in love with this homey, small operation that just kind of kept growing? Yeah, yeah, I totally think so. I, and I think that if we, you know, like say, for example, we, you know, we started in a trailer. Um, I was cooking about two briskets a day, three briskets on the weekend, which now we do about 120 a day. Well, actually, this week we're doing zero, but um, <laughs> under normal circumstances, about 120 a day. Um, but I mean, I can't even imagine how terrible the food would have been if we had jumped in opening a place that was just busy from the get-go. I mean, like, you have to learn how to cook that much food, and we're still trying to figure it out. You know, things change all the time, but I think that much in the way that I like to tinker with projects and like to build things and work on old stuff and, and do whatever, I mean, cooking barbecue is like a tinker's food. You know, it's not like you turn on an oven and you walk away and you come back at a certain time or temperature and it's done. I mean, you have to, that's the craft of it. You know, you have to work with fire, you have to work with your hands, you have to keep working on stuff. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of what what helped make us really good in the early days is that we were small enough where we could experiment, we could tinker with things, we could actually learn along the way without it, you know, making a huge impact if we didn't do a great job. So then by the time we got used to it, then we'd get busier, learn how to do that, get busier, learn how to do that. So I think it all really, all, you know, I'm a big fan of everything just kind of organically falling into place. And, um, and I think the whole restaurant is a pure result of that. And, you know, you said, I've, I've, read that you said you're constantly learning. You just said it. 
Is there anything you can cite in the last... How many years have you, has Franklin Barbecue been open now? Uh, we're working on eight years. Okay, so is there anything you can think of, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but in the last year that you've learned that, that has been a light bulb to say, okay, here's we've just tackled this. Uh, anything new in the eighth year? Um, nothing too new, but I tell you, you know, I, even, for example, last or two years ago when I was cooking at Feast, um, I tried something different on the briskets, and it worked out really, really well. And I've actually been kind of like tinkering with that stuff. And that, uh, you know, but just like you were just randomly, I mean, I've cooked a ton of food over the years. And, uh, you know, you just one day is like, oh, I'm going to try this. Ooh, that worked out good. So that's kind of like, it's not that you really have like a light bulb that goes off. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to try this. You know, I'm going to try this special rub or whatever. But you just kind of, you might do something. You might see something in a slightly different way than, than you had before and, and experiment with something. and. You know, it's kind of cool stumbling into fun things. I think it's probably fun to have different events to do where you can do that because here we have, I, I think of uh, Ken's Pizza here. He serves a certain pizza at Ken's Artisan Pizza, and then he opened up something at Pine Street Mar- Market called Trifecta, and he's doing a different pizza there. He wanted to, he wanted to tr- showcase his skills and, and do something a little different, I guess, Events allow you to do that. Did you do anything different at Hot Luck? Probably not, because it was the event was largely centered around your restaurant. <laughs> yeah, strange. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, so doing barbecue is a little bit tricky because when I do events, if I don't do brisket, if I do anything else, it doesn't matter what how good it is or how terrible it is. Like if it's not Franklin barbecue brisket, people are so bummed. So you're kind of forced to have to cook the same thing every single time, but it is fun. Like hot luck was a lot of fun. Cause I actually did mashed potatoes and pot roast. Um, and it was, it was really fun. And it was, you know, something that I never get to cook. Uh, but since we had done an event on that Thursday night at the restaurant, you know, I was able to kind of for Friday night's event, do something totally different. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So it kind of just depends on the event. Sometimes if it's something that I'm doing and I feel comfortable with it, um, yeah, I might try to do something different, but more times than not, I'm, I'm just too busy to spend the time on it. So I just kind of have to do the same thing as always. Yeah, well, I have to say, um, I had the uh, opportunity to come down uh, your way for Hot Luck, um, which is, for those who who don't know, you worked with Mike Thielen, who's the founder of Feast here in yeah, presenting totally. Hot and Luck. and he is one of the uh, three founders of Hot Luck. Right. Who's the other founder? Who's the third founder? Uh, someone named James Moody. Uh, he's one of our old school friends here in town. Uh, he owns a, cl- a rock club called the Mohawk. Used to be part of Fun 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 Fest. Used to be a partner in Transmission Entertainment. Been booking shows forever. Just super, super rad guy about town that just, you know, super nice, does cool stuff. Well, it was really cool that you integrated music the way you did into Hot Luck. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and that. that was mostly, all that music stuff was, was all moody. That's what uh, I figured. Or the music guy. That's what, I, that's what I figured. But, I, you know, I've been going to Feast every year, and I, I went to your dinner when uh, Latak first opened. Yeah, that, that, that night. was fun. That was fantastic. I love Feast. It's great. But, and it may have been that I was in a different city, and everything was kind of new and uh, but I loved Hot Luck, and I've been telling people since I got back that was that uh, you know no disrespect to Feast because I love it, but that was my favorite food festival that I've been to, and cool. I've been, I haven't been to a lot, but that one was uh, really well done. First year, everything uh, you know, I wasn't waiting on long lines. I think that's part of it for me is that I was able. Yeah, to... and that was really you know super intentional. I mean, big kudos to Team Feast because really, 
I mean, you know, Emily and Hayhee and Jillian and all those guys at Team Feast and Mike, um, you know, really put all that stuff together. I mean, just crush it, you know, like no one can. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it turned out it was such an awesome thing. It was like the most organized old-school backyard barbecue, you know, any of us have ever been to. And that Saturday night event was fantastic. I, I don't remember the name of the place, but that field, that was just, and it was a hot day, hot for a Portlander, that's for sure. Oh, and, yeah, it was super steamy, and uh, we just barely dodged the rain that day, too. Oh, that's right. Um, but it was uh, it was a really cool festival, and you're you're going to do year two, I would imagine, right? You didn't just, you're, it's Absolutely. not a one-out. And uh, any, yep. what do you have planned? Have you already started talking? About, I know, Mike. Uh, couldn't come to Spain with us because we're leaving the day after feast and he had to have his debriefing and he wanted to come. So I'm sure you've already started talking about next year at hot. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. I mean, you know, the, all the feast guys are definitely taking a breather because you know, there's a thing called feast they've got to work on. Um, but yeah, I'm working on some stuff here and we're, we're trying to decide on our dates and everything. And yeah, yeah, it's chugging right along. I am. I wholeheartedly recommend to anyone, especially if someone's never been to Austin. It's a great way to experience. Well, it's Austin a great way to time. head to Austin without having to mess with like the South by Southwest stuff, right? You know, and you know, kind of like the just the headache of trying to find a hotel room and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, I was I was super happy with Hot Luck. I, I couldn't have been more excited about it. I spent uh, a day on a day or two on the front end and a day or two on the back end, and I got to go to. Uh, some places like uh, Laundrette, which I really liked. Um, but oh, I, have yeah, a, that's a great place. I have a question for you. So now you're not um, you're not going to be able to be at Feast because you're going to be working on your restaurant, and that's such yeah, a shame. Yeah, unfortunately, I, it's such a bummer. We decided that yesterday. Yeah. Oh, that was decided yesterday. Well, at some point, you have to decide that. Um, a lot of people are going to be very disappointed. I'm disappointed. I wanted to see you up here. Um, one of my favorite people, Wendy, when she heard the news, asked if. There's what they're going to do with your events. Will we still see your food without you? Is that something you, that can be pulled off, or how's that going to no, work? No, unfortunately not. And, and unfortunately, you know, part of the problem with doing feast, um, especially for the Tex-Mex dinner on Sunday night, is that I was going to make a lot of that stuff here in Austin at a restaurant, but since we don't have a restaurant right now, I'm kind of kind of right. out of luck on that one, too. Um, that probably made it easier for you to make that. Not easier, but made the decision, push the decision for you. Yeah, a little bit. And I think, you know, really, I, I was probably pushed more by uh, by Mike, you know, and the rest of the Feast guys are like, hey, you know, just work on your restaurant. It's no big deal. We love you. It's great. We'll see you next year. And, um, you know, and I think we'll probably come up there and do an event outside of, you know, after Feast. Once we get, get our place back together, maybe we'll head up there and do, do something special. Oh, that's cool. So uh, I, I'm sure anybody who's into the food scene will be able to find that. Yo, yeah, I would think so. Uh, I'm sure probably Eater will pick it up or something. Yeah, something I think of, I think it'll it'll be okay of that sort. So, um, um, do you get a little tired of talking about your lines? Um, yeah, no, not really. I mean, it's it's a reality. <laughs> They're there. They're there, and it's part of the cachet. I mean, I remember when I was there uh, a few months ago. I walked up at uh, two o'clock, and there were some people walking away who said they'd been there since it was a Saturday, 7.30 in the morning. And they were happily walking away with their brisket, um, all excited. But it's a party there. People bring their, um, their, their, you know, beach chairs and sit down and just keep moving them up. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's our little slice of old school Austin. 
um, you know, I we try to make people wait as, as little as possible, of course. We try to make it as comfortable as possible for everyone. But, um, yeah, just the good vibes that happen out in that parking lot is pretty cool. You know, it's uh, it's really special to see people that, that show up and actually enjoy standing in line. And, you know, it's not like you're just standing there, like, you know, farting around on your telephone. I mean, you're, like, making friends, drinking some beers. Somebody makes a taco run. I mean, it's like a little, like, makeshift community for four hours. Yeah, and, and you, um, you can't... It's really cool, like, the amount of friendships that have been started there people have met and ended up getting married and having families people have actually gotten we did a wedding in line once mm. um you know it's crazy and it's just so cool to see how sweet people are and how how well people get along it's, it's really cool are they coming back for their anniversaries every year to stand in line and and uh you know i celebrate? haven't seen them since so maybe not they don't live in the states either uh. so it might be a bit of a trek for those guys Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years, Zupans Markets. And you had the president visit you, too. That must have been uh, just what, you know, you've got already uh, a lot of popularity and, and it's, uh, you know, it's mayhem over there. And then the president comes. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. <laughs> did you get to spend some time with him? Yeah, yeah, we did. We hung out for a, a fair bit of time and, man, just couldn't couldn't have been a nicer guy. So nice and so hospitable and. You know, all of them were, the whole Secret Service were really, really thankful for us letting them in and getting them food and all this stuff. And, yeah, it was it was a super pleasant experience. Were you aware that the visit was going to happen? Did they give you any lead time on that, or was it a spur-of-the-moment thing? Uh, we had about 20 minutes. Oh, okay. um, And we didn't, they actually didn't tell us anything. The Secret Service guys just kind of walked in um, and started checking out the place. And I guess, I mean, obviously they knew hours before, you know, but they had, you know, checked cars for bombs and were, had snipers on roofs and dudes and sunglasses indoors, and you know they've they kind of swooped in and yeah, it took about twenty minutes probably. It's, it's incredible what they do. I remember a few years ago when Clinton was visiting a restaurant in uh, Westport, and they had frogmen in the water in the Saugatuck River. Really? For just think think about it, for every single really? right, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, for every single visit they make, and now this guy, uh, you know, is a whole nother issue with with everything going on with him. Would you host uh, the current president? <laughs> well, you know, we don't have any ketchup to put on our brisket, so I, I don't think it's too interesting. <laughs> to That's the perfect answer. There is no bottle to be found in the building? Well, we have we have big cans for the barbecue sauce, but, you know, I'm not going to open up a can for one serving. Sure, so. Right, yeah. Why would you? So what That would th- be wasteful. What do you think is the uh, the common thread? I mean, I can answer it, too, but... It's really interesting to me how similar Austin and Portland are. So that you can go one place and literally feel like you're 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 in the other place, except for the obviously you know it's a little drier and the the yeah. uh, environment's a little different. What do you think the common thread is that when you come up to Portland? I mean, you're not. I don't know if you have the same relationship with Seattle or San Francisco, but somehow, how did you establish your relationship with Portland? Um, really, I mean, I would say Mike Zeeland. You know, and just kind of going to feast for the first year and 
the um, you know we have we're uh, really good friends with uh, Rodney and Elizabeth over Podnas, um, and they came to the trailer when we were first opening. And uh, Rodney had emailed you know because he's from uh, Waxahachie, Texas, which is about two hours north of Austin, and um, you know he emailed like, hey, you know we're coming into town. We have this barbecue place up in Portland, and uh, you know I was I didn't really respond. It was way too busy. It was when. Stacy and I were running the trailer by ourselves at that point. So it was like really in the first couple months and they came in line and, you know, we met them and so I was like, Hey, let's go get a drink. And, uh, yeah, just kind of gradually just become friends with their friends and coming up there for feasts. We've become friends with other guys that run restaurants. And, you know, I think that's definitely our common thread is just, you know, the, the service industry and, you know, just mutual friends and stuff. But I mean, really the similarities between Portland and Austin are pretty huge. I mean, you've got a lot of like-minded people. You've got great food. You've got good record stores. You've got good coffee shops. You guys have way better than we do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everybody just kind of – and, you know, I mean, everybody knows a ton of people in both places also. So, you know, there's that. There's that. Do you have any uh, favorite places that you like in Portland? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think our first stop off the plane is always uh, Pock Pock um, on a – or division, I guess. Yeah. Well, then, now there are about four of them. I think I don't know the well, exact the number. First one, I guess, was was that? That's yeah, that's on right? that's on division. And if if you went when it was first open, uh, or when it was really a cart, division is a completely different place right now. And so yeah, and that and, yeah, that and, street has gotten crazy. And it was Pock Pock that made that happen. I mean, it was a place that nobody would go, and that mm-hmm. that was the catalyst to change everything over there. And honestly, a lot of Portland changed because of Pock Pock. Pac, yep. You know, people started learning that hey, if you if you build a great restaurant in a in a, a neighborhood that needs it, then it can go from there. Country Cat did it. Have you ever been to Country Cat up here? Yep, absolutely. To Adams yeah, Place. Love uh, love Adams Place. Um, yeah, I mean, God, there's so much good food up there. I think uh, our first up off the plane is always that Pock Pock uh, Nongs. You know, we can't get enough of a Nongs. Um, Ava Jeans is super great. There's just, God, there's a ton of great restaurants around there. So when you come up to Feast, do you have time to jump around? Because if not Feast, I would imagine you're not flying up to Portland just to take a little vacation and hang out. No, but I think we will this year since we're not going to get to come up for Feast. Oh, cool. Um, I think we'll we'll see how our schedule looks. But, um, yeah, we usually, you know, my, my cooks at Feast always, that's about a 30-hour workday for me. Um, and I don't do a lot of those anymore. So, you know, there's like a day's worth of prep, about 30 hours to cook it and serve it. And then I typically go to sleep after that. And, you know, that kind of takes me out of the whole weekend. So I can't really do much feast stuff, um, just cause we're, we're busy working on our little thing, but, um, yeah, we always stay an extra couple days. We so normally get about three or four days out of it. Do you find that the, uh, the people who go to feast are, how are they similar to the Aust- what is it Austinians Austinites 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 yeah. Uh, um, is yeah a- totally the same you know and there's a ton of people that used to live in Austin that live up there that always come to our events too so it's kind of we always see old friends and yeah it's just way fun and so what it you- would uh, I I don't even do event like I don't I don't cook festivals or anything I don't do events at all um, except feast and now hot luck are really the only two things I do and then I cook. With uh, my friend Chris Shepard in Houston, uh, once a year for a uh, an MS benefit. So I'm sure over time, yeah, you've decided. Here's what I do. Here's what I don't. You said you're not doing mm-hmm. many interviews now or television. 
you did that Visa commercial that ran a lot. I saw it yeah, a million yeah, they times. Just wouldn't take that off. So talk a little bit about how, yes, well, that's too bad, isn't it, that they didn't take it off. Talk a little bit about how that came about and what the residual, you know, getting re- checks for residuals on that when you have no idea where it's running, how that, how that works. Um, well, I'm going to say it's pretty cool um, getting, getting checks in the mail. I, uh, you know, they had wanted to do that commercial. It uh, approached us a number of times that I'd said no, probably three or four times Why? And one afternoon. Why did you say uh, no? You know, I just don't want to like be on some corporate commercial thing. You know, it's just not, it's not my scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, um, at the same time, like, so I'd finished lunch one day, I was cutting and, uh, our, we had one air conditioner in the restaurant at that point, And it was like only a two and a half ton unit. It was a residential unit that came with the building. It was so flipping hot in there. And, um, you know, I think we were measuring like 120 degrees in the kitchen and like 110 in the dining room. I mean, it's really, really hot. And, uh, I'd finished cutting a lunch, you know, it was like two in the afternoon, something like that. I walked into the kitchen and another reach-in cooler had crapped out because it's too hot in the kitchen for him to run efficiently. And I looked at the thermometer on the wall, and it was hit like broken. And then the guy called him. He's like, man, I really want you guys to do this commercial. Please. Like, this would be so cool. And I just looked at it. I was like, you know, sure need a walk-in cooler. I'll do it for this much. <laughs> and they said yes. And that's how we bought our first walk-in cooler. Do you think you left money on the table there, my friend? Yeah, all, I don't really care. All, we got a the... walking cooler. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but still, you probably so was you could have just... got two walk-in coolers, right? Was it just that amount, or does, was because of residuals, right? It keeps coming when you can't control it. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, it was a little. I mean, we we got some we got some money, you know, for several months after that too. Well, that's that's cool. So, listen, you. But, uh, I've heard you say that barbecue restaurants aren't very profitable. So it sounds to me as though you need to do. Things like that, and now you've got your you've got a new company that uh, for 2018, or at least a part of yours, where you're selling uh, bar- you're selling barbecue units. What do you call them? Yeah, totally. And and so, is this the way to make money in barbecue? Because if you just um, stuck with what you're I doing, think... it's a passion, correct? Yeah, it's definitely a passion. I mean, no one, you know, I mean, we 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 make enough. You know, I mean, nobody's getting rich making barbecue unless they might be doing it a little bit wrong. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's fine. You know, it, it's we're doing it for the love of barbecue. We're doing it because we love making people happy and cooking good food. Um, and the place makes makes fine money, and we sell a lot of T-shirts. And, you know, those, uh, those definitely help our 80% food cost on brisket. Yeah, so you have to, you, you have to do those kind of things because if you don't, then... It's wonderful to do it, but, you know, you have to sustain it. You have to, over the long period, you've been open for eight years, but when you get to where some of your friends down in Lockhart are, you're going to, you know, some of, I, I don't know if it would, would it sustain? And you've said you're not opening other restaurants. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we would, we're sure not going to open another barbecue place. And is that because you want hands-on? Uh, well, yeah, it's that, and also because there aren't enough cows. That's kind of our, uh, which sounds kind of like I'm kidding, but I'm actually not. Um, We already struggle to get enough food. We do about 43 to 45,000 pounds of brisket a month. Um, How many cows is that? We only do prime stuff without growth hormones, so there's not a lot of that out there. 
And so, um, yeah, if we if we opened up another barbecue place, there just there wouldn't be enough meat available. And wh- why is that? You would think that if there was the demand, that farmers would would find a way to make that happen. Yeah, yes and no. That so much of that stuff is guided by just kind of more like corporate feedlotty commodity kind of based stuff. So, and that's not what we cook. Um, so there's not a huge market for what we do. Um, it's increasing, but we're also cooking only two pieces of meat from a whole cow. You know, there's only two briskets on a cow. So it's not like we can utilize the rest of the, you know, like the ribeyes and the strip loins and the, you know, the whatever else is on there. And so what percentage of your business is brisket then? Because your other, everything else is delicious too. Yeah, brisket's definitely the big thing. We do probably about 120 briskets to about 65 to 72 racks of pork ribs, uh, about 25 or 30 turkey breasts, and about 25 pork butts a day. And then about 175 to 200 pounds of sausage a day. Wow. And you can't, you couldn't cook more because you just don't have the, the capacity. Well, you know, like I said, we, we already get as much, we already struggle to get enough brisket. Um, so there's that. But even if you could, building, you only have so much room to cook. Yeah, we only have so much room. We only have so many cookers. We can only fit so much food. We can only physically handle it. We cook 24 hours a day, so we can't get any more hours out of it. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a little bit past our comfort level already. So anything more than that is just not worth it. All right. I don't want to necessarily get into politics, but I've always been kind of curious. Is, uh, living in Austin and, you know, in a, in a blue city, in a very red state, um, how, can you talk a little bit about how you... Uh, do you pay much attention to politics? You've got to because you've got these two forces fighting each other a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely pay attention. <laughs> um, I pay attention on a personal level. You know, I mean, I've, I'm addicted to the news, of course, as everyone is these days. Um, but yeah, I, we absolutely don't get involved with that stuff at the restaurant. You know, we're the most unbiased restaurant. Like, all are welcome. You know, it doesn't matter. We're all there for good food. Who cares? Yeah, that's true. And I don't mean to pull you into that. Uh, and and I don't want to certainly don't want to have the restaurant be represented one way or the other. I, I guess I was just talking curious for all people in Austin. Uh, how do they how do they deal with that being in kind of on an island in that state? Um, I think, you know, Austin kind of has its own little bubble going on. And I think uh Everybody, everybody that lives in Austin is pretty thankful to live in Austin. Austin, um, and everyone that lives in Austin wants to live in Austin. So, you know, I think the outside, kind of what's going on around us, and you know, everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, we we don't really let things get us down too much, you know. And I think uh, it's kind of the same as probably the same as Portland, same as anywhere, you know. Where do you, you gotta think- do your own thing, keep your head down, and keep working? Where do you think, you know, Portland is now, I think most people agree, we've hit uh, a new level of development and growth in Portland, and, and it's a changed city. I've been here since 2005, and I think in the last uh, last couple of years, we've got traffic problems we've never dealt with, and you've got restaurants here that have uh, different challenges. We've got minimum wage laws going uh, changing, and uh, the cost of <coughs> rent is going up. And so I think the creative, you know, what really drove Portland's food scene, the creativity and the ability to do things because you didn't have 
you could do them and still make do. Um, that's changed. Is that going on in Austin also? Or that is. You, you just described Austin perfectly. Oh, good. <laughs> then, I, then I'm an authority on Austin. Yep. No. True. So the same um, thing. So no, did it's that very st- much the same thing. Our traffic is terrible. Our cost of living is, is through the roof. And, um, yeah, very much like Portland. I mean, the, the people that made Austin Austin, you know, like old hippies, people playing music, you know, artists people doing doing whatever their their passions drove them to do uh a lot of those people can't afford to live here anymore and you know if it wasn't for this restaurant i don't think we'd be able to live here either and so where are they moving there because i i think a lot of people in portland are just moving i don't know where they're going it's not like you can just move to a suburb there aren't it's a different thing here yeah it's i think a lot of people are moving to some small towns outside of austin but i think a lot of people are probably going to san antonio I know a lot of people that have just moved to other states altogether, um, you know. But it's kind of, you know, it's it's tricky situation. It's kind of hard. And how much uh, influence does San Antonio have on Austin? Because I was able to visit there a few months, and it's a, it's got some really cool things going on there, and it's it's bigger, right? You've got you've got professional yeah. basketball, uh, which you know, San, San Antonio is huge. Yeah. Um, and they they do have some cool stuff. San Antonio has always been pretty cool. If I couldn't live in Austin but had the same Texas, I would totally live in San Antonio. Um, you know, I think San Antonio reminds me of how Austin was about 25 years ago. Um, you know, they've got some great food stuff coming along. There's some super good restaurants there. And, uh, yeah, you can get super cool houses for not a whole lot of money. And it's a cool place. It's very cool. That's interesting that you're citing a larger city was is like, Austin was 25 years ago because up here, everyone cites Astoria, Oregon, as like Portland was 25 years ago. So if you want that experience, you go there. Hmm. Have Have you been able to run around Port, uh, Oregon a little bit and see the coast and mountains and all? Yeah, that? a little bit. We um we don't normally have a whole lot of time, but um yeah, we've been through Astoria though. That that place is pretty cool. Uh, but we've we've certainly made that drive down the coast and everything. But yeah, other than Coming up for feasts, I haven't been. I used to play music and go on tour a lot and, and head through there, but outside of those two things, that's about it. Well, that was the older Portland. So, do you get time? I mean, uh, do you do you have the opportunity as you get as you get further along in your business? Are you looking for more opportunities to travel with your family? Um, we stay pretty busy in Austin. It's we we actually shut down our restaurant ten days a year. Uh, and everybody goes off and does vacation stuff, um, but other than that, yeah, we're pretty much we're pretty much here. What kind Our of kid is three and a half years old, and it's yeah, that's not a great right travel. Age. Not the most pleasant thing in the world. No, I, I remember that succinctly. I remember announcing we're not doing this anymore for a while. <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, and then it comes around, but you never know. So where do you, when you have had before you had your uh, before you had kids or a kid, where were you going? What type of places do you like to go? Um, well, depending on work, work really takes about seven days a week, 20 hours a day. There's not a, not a lot of downtime in there. So you weren't Um, taking the tent when you closed for 10, I was really referring to those 10 days. Yeah. Uh, So for those 10 days this year, we stayed in town and did maintenance (laughs) because since we cook 24 hours a day at the restaurant, we only have one, one shot a year to like work on floors, redo the dish pit, you know, like add lighting to the electric to the uh, uh, smokehouse and stuff. Uh, so those were the projects that I did. And then um, we actually, for the first time, went on our vacation after we reopened the restaurant. So we opened up 
on Friday, and then that Sunday, Stacy, Vivian, and I all jumped on a plane and took off. They had a yeah, we just got back last Friday, uh, the the night before the uh, the dreadful fire oh, at the yeah. restaurant. Welcome home. Yeah, yeah, it was a good it was a good giant eraser that just erased our whole vacation the second we got back. Wow. Um, I've got to yeah, learn not to cool. ask this because you people in the restaurant business are work so hard. I, I'm always trying to fish for where you go on vacation and you're maintaining your restaurant. Yeah, you know, <laughs> got stuff to do. <laughs> no, I think I, I commend you because that, that it's, it's hard work and, and you're doing gritty, tough, hot work too. And, uh, uh, and your product is fantastic. So Aaron, um, we're glad to be able to have you here on Feast Week. Since you're not going to be here, we're so glad we were able to have uh, showcase what you do and talk a little bit about Franklin Barbecue and uh, have you visit with us. Really appreciate well, it. Very cool. Well, I'm sad to not be up there this year for Feast, but we'll we'll come back and do barbecue some other time. Right, and you'll and Feast 2018, I would imagine, is in your is in your scope yep. and Hot Luck 2018 also. Absolutely, I'll be both. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right